0: All right. So apparently there's this Toy Story theory, right? That says that Andy's parents are going through a divorce. Did you hear about that?
1: No. What about it?
0: So apparently like they try to show you um, the different stages that normally kids who have parents who are going through a divorce, they go through the same thing. So his mom shows up in the first appearance. She's wearing a ring. Mm -hmm. And then every single time she shows up after that, she's not wearing a ring anymore. Mm. What do you think about that?
1: I think that would make so much sense as to why he has so many toys, too.
0: (laughs) Right? It's kind of weird that he has all those toys and shit. He's pretty
1: spoiled, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and also, I don't know if you remember, but she threw him, like, a big birthday party. And that's another thing that kids who have divorced parents go through. Like, the parents feel kind of um, shameful or I guess they feel, like, with a heavy conscience. Mm -hmm. And then they want to give them and they want to, like, overcompensate for... Mm. Whatever shortfalls they they feel like they're going through because they're putting the kid through this tra- like traumatizing experience. So, she throws him like a huge birthday party. She gets him all these toys. Like they're probably like super rich because if you think about it, like, toys R Us for example, like that shit was expensive back then. When, like when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then to have all those toys as many as he does, I mean that kind of raises a, a pretty significant red flag. I don't know.
1: And and that was in the first Toy Story movie when when he has the birthday party and. Oh, I forgot what I was gonna say, <laughs> but um, but I did hear that the Buzz Lightyear toy was given by the stepdad or mm-hmm. whoever might be the the new boyfriend, I guess, from another like TikTok that I saw while I was watching it, and they were talking about this theory, I guess, that you're talking about, and I think that that's interesting. The buzz light year and he's kind of you know coming to the rescue mm. offering comfort so, to andy
0: so you think that the guy his mom's fucking gave him a buzz light year toy because he's trying to sympathize with his current situation with his current predicament of being a child product of a divorce
1: maybe i don't know
0: that's savage if he did that he's I like yo know. i'm fucking your mom but <laughs> here i'm gonna give you something like i'm gonna give you this this um buzz light year it's, uh, and it's going to get you out of this traumatic experience. Do you think that that has to do from a psychological standpoint, considering you went to college and you studied psychology, do you think it has to do with the idea that he's more found or or he's more fond of his male toys, right, mm-hmm. than he is of his female toys? And that even brings up another question. Like, why does he have female toys? Like, why does he have that um, cowgirl toy like why does he have all of these like feminine pieces like it makes no (laughs) sense to me
1: to me it makes sense because you need like a storyline you know what i'm saying Mm. i mean because listen they're not all just like action figures or or like these like wwe action figures like back in the day and stuff Mm -hmm. they're like he has the the Bo peep who who needs help and then woody comes to the rescue and stuff
0: but do you think then that he's more advanced for his age and especially for his like gender group? Because kids back then, when 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 I was a kid at least, they would have like this this um this prejudice against like female toys and stuff and anything mm. to do with girls. You know, they right,
1: had cooties, cooties and, like, and all oh, that. Stuff. Like, yeah, that's gay and stuff. So
0: do you think Andy's more advanced for his age? Considering he's, like, you know at a what? point where he's, like, oh, like, I don't care. Like, I'm not, re- like, limited to only male toys. Like, mm-hmm. I'll play with female toys because I'll conjure up these narratives and just be creative in that sense.
1: You know what? You can tell that he's so much more advanced than a regular kid by his his room setup. And then when you see him, like, actually playing with the toys in the first movie, mm-hmm. his his, like, concepts of, like you said, the narratives that he creates with the toys, it's so advance like he he creates like a bank and then the pig is like the yeah. the villain and stuff and whatever that's actually crazy because if you think about it like the pig is the villain and pigs are associated with like cops Ooh. and then it's i don't know it's crazy now that i what think what if about his it.
0: dad was a cop <laughs> and then he's just subconsciously trying to get back pigs. as his parents <laughs> yeah because because you you know how they say that um when you're older if you grew up in like a fucked up environment, your main objective is to try to get back at your parents. Mm. And then you could eat like either like for the most part, if you grew up in a good, like like um healthy nurturing environment, um, you want to give back to your parents in a positive way. So you wanna like like recontribute to what they've already invested into you. So mm. if they put you through college, they gave you this great life and you have no suffering and no like um like, anger or resentment towards them, when you grow up, you want to, like, aspire to give back and put them in, like, a good house and, like, give them a good living. But if you do the opposite and you grow up in, like, a fucked-up household, in a a sense where your parents were fucked up towards you, then you just want to get back at them. But most people get back at them through themselves. So that's when they resort to, like, maybe they, like, the the girl turns to uh, prostitution, turns to stripping, Mm. turns to hoeing out. And that's not really necessarily a form of self-expression, but it is like a form of just getting back at her parents for what they've done to her kind of, you know? Like, it's like, fuck you, mom. Look at me, I'm on camera. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, doing a gangbang or whatever the fuck it is. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, but, but and no. And that's, that's why that's daddy ex- issues
1: exist. Yeah. And, and I feel like these writers, like if it really does have to do with a missing male figure in his life, mm-hmm. then these writers have daddy issues. That's
0: what I was thinking too. Like <laughs> Pixar... Writers are super, like, fucked up in the head, I think.
1: For, no, any type of cartoon writer, I feel like. It's mm-hmm. not even just Disney. I feel like there are so many cartoons <laughs> that I re-watch now, older. And, and it's just mind-blowing how many, like, things just slip through yeah. that, have, you know, like, this adulthood that comes out of it. Yeah. It's just crazy.
0: Because also, I think that you could only create anything, like, create art basing off of what you know Mm -hmm. right so basing off of the world that you know right so you can't well there there is abstract art which is when you kind of create art basing off of a world that you maybe want to know one day or maybe that you only know in your head or you've seen glimpses or you want to create a different world and then there's abstract art but even then like everything's kind of founded and kind of rooted on your current reality and your current experiences Mm -hmm. so i think that the Pixar and this has been um documented actually so steve jobs the way that he kind of created Pixar was that he got the neglected um, designers and artists and just um, visual directors and everybody that worked in like the the visual department. I think at Disney, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, so don't hold me to that. But he got like all of the kind of the um, outliers, but in, like the um the fuck like basically all the losers, the
1: underdogs, the
0: like awkward people, like right. just like losers, nerdy, just weird people. And he grouped them together and he created something magical, which was, you know, Pixar. Hmm, and he managed an to kind of like recruit those people and those talents. And then that's why I think those people are all fucked in the head. Because they have severe like issues like going on. Like, I don't like know if it's that. psychological daddy-ish. or yeah, emotional. Yeah, for sure.
1: And you know what's crazy about what you just said? I When I took AP literature in high school, what we focused on the most was how in any fiction work,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what a writer or or in this case any artist tries to do is reflect reality into fiction so Mm. they transpose reality things that are real real situations real um basically real world problems that need solving and then they transpose that into fiction writing for example, mm-hmm. or in this case, it would be these cartoon shows. Mm-hmm. So then that's why, for example, people <laughs> said that SpongeBob represents the seven deadly sins, right? So that's like a real mm-hmm. problem. People who who are uh, greedy or people who are like Mr. Krabs, people who are lazy like Patrick and then mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And then it's just, I don't know. I think, I, I think that that's, the main objective for these uh, writers or whoever's behind the scene of it, yeah, is they also want to slip in like something that'll be worthy for adults who watch it, and then yeah. that's why it reaches a broader a- audience. Because and then it's captivating with the animation for kids, but then you have these subtle, yeah,
0: like, like sprinkled, uh, yeah, on top. yeah,
1: like these these Easter eggs for adults, if that makes sense.
0: I think they do that. Also because like imagine you and your kid are in the living room and then instead of putting some stupid bullshit cartoon like the Backyardigans or something like that or Teletubbies <laughs> that have <laughs> like
1: Yeah, that that have
0: like no real um like life lesson behind them. Like they do have life lessons, but they're usually like super obvious and super like in your face. Yeah. It's like, oh like be kind to one another and stuff. Um, these like more advanced and matured cartoons like they make it so that especially pixar pixar is very successful because of that like you could Mm -hmm. take your kids but also many adults buy tickets for themselves to go watch pixar movies because it's become like that like this art form that Mm -hmm. people just really love and that they've like grew fond of and then um soul for example which is the one that we saw recently Mm. was another one that really captivated both of us and had like this like strangely dark twist to it and Mm -hmm. also like this like very heavy message and theme that just kind of envelops it you know like it's not like a a clear-cut children's you know um, movie or um, story or anything like that
1: right and I I had like an existential crisis after watching that yeah me too (laughs) because I I couldn't relate any more to the soul 22 Mm -hmm. character because I was like Jesus, I can't find my passion no matter what I do. Like she's, she went through everything, yeah. you know. She tr- she tested music and sports, and because they have this, you know, world where you're able to experience things and find your passion mm-hmm. before coming to Earth. I guess that's the scheme. The what do you call it? The
0: <laughs> the premise behind it.
1: Yeah, and so. I couldn't relate anymore. And and then it's just interesting because at the end, she does find her purpose. Spoiler alert. I can't tell you what it is, but it's nothing obvious, like how easy it comes for other people. And then it's so relatable to people who have lived life searching for a meaning or a purpose mm-hmm. and always like chasing after that, trying to figure it out through college or trying to figure it out through different endeavors, for example, and then just always feeling stuck or feeling lost or confused. And it's just super relatable.
0: Yeah. And and also that idea of that, like, you should know what your purpose is mm-hmm. instantly and you should have it all figured out. And I think that that's what you represented to me personally. It's kind of like what you said, like, um, people expect us to know, you know, all about... Um, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, like, what do you want to pursue in college? Like, while you're in high school, like you're a teenager.
1: And and yeah. not even just in high school. Like, I can recall being in elementary school and teachers asking, oh, what do you want to be when, you're, yeah. when you grow up? Like, just like you asked, like the way you phrase it and everything. And then people obviously would have far-fetched answers like an astronaut or the president or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And then as the years go by that slowly starts dying out and fading and then you you... start
0: realizing what's actually possible (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. and then you're like oh damn if i want to be an astronaut like i have to go through years of you know experience and learning and stuff and all these other things and then it's like uh it's kind of just disheartening because you have so much um how do i explain it so much um hope and and that too but you have so much like hope and like and yeah like innocence That you think that anything is possible, but then as time goes on, it's like, it's possible, but it's also, it requires so much more than you thought it would.
0: Yeah. I think that uh, children, especially, they have this miscued perception of probability. Mm. So it's like, it's possible, but it's improbable. It's like, will you become an astronaut? That it's possible because there is like a clear cut path Mm -hmm. to achieve that. But then at the same time, it's highly improbable unless you really dedicate yourself unless you like you know really pursue this with all of your heart and stuff
1: and i was going to say that that also reminds me of the other pixar movie the inside out one mm-hmm. that one i feel like cuz listen kids can't really wrap their minds around these sort of concepts yet where cuz cuz that whole movie is about emotional intelligence how we react like in terms of our emotions and stuff like when we're happy how does that affect us like how much does that change you know this our outer situation so everything that happens inwardly affects what happens outwardly Mm -hmm. and so a kid isn't watching that they they just see you know the little characters that resemble these feelings and you know they get entertainment out of it yeah and maybe they do feel emotions throughout it too because there are parts that are sad and then there are parts that are you know uh rewarding but then for i feel like for adults it's like that's why i think it it it's so complex sorry it's so complex cuz it's trying to reach a a range of ages in their audience mm-hmm. for adults it's like so much more cuz it's about you know how we deal with our emotions and stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, you you mentioned um, earlier the um, SpongeBob. What do you think about the theory revolving around the idea that like the, the that there was like a nuclear blast? Apparently,
1: <laughs> oh man, I... in
0: in Bikini Atoll, I think it's called, and then because of the nuclear blast in the in. <laughs> oh my god
1: Arc, you. it's a tongue
0: twister because it's like Bikini Stuck. Atoll Bikini Bottom <laughs> Nuclear Blast it's like all these blah 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 <laughs> like it's hard to distinguish but apparently there's a theory that Bikini Bottom is a byproduct of a nuclear experiment done in Bikini Atoll which is like a nearby island or some shit like that
1: is that a real place or is that just
0: it is a real place yeah so a
1: real place in the world yeah yeah no
0: yeah <laughs> no a real place so so technically so technically bikini bottom is can be located in real life if you just like pinpoint it i guess and and like because i think that they based it off of like this like dark thing and then they created something light like lightful and like light hearted out of it you know but anyways so everybody like every citizen of bikini bottom is just a, a, a mutated creature and that's why they could talk and communicate and that's why they are the way they are. And that's why SpongeBob is SpongeBob. And then SpongeBob especially is like a product of that. And then apparently Sandy Cheeks went down into Bikini Bottom because she's a critter, right? She's, she, she's a land critter, but she's also a scientist. Mm-hmm. And then she went down to study them in person and like firsthand studies on what happened in Bikini Atoll.
1: Wait, so is that animal testing? Like did they send the t- a squirrel down or was she also mutated into a squirrel?
0: So so I think that <laughs> she was a mutated squirrel that maybe inhabited the premises of Bikini Atoll. And then that's why she can talk and communicate. But I think that, that, all, that also falls into the whole idea of like animals can communicate with each other. So I don't think that that's mutation. Mm. But then I think that she, by her own resolve, decided to go down there and that's why she built that that dome and that's why she like claims to be a scientist and all that stuff. And then Barnum and the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy are the only hybrid humans in Bikini Bottom because of that nuclear contamination. And that they're like actually hybrid because they live underwater, so unlike Sandy, they don't need air.
1: <laughs> and that's why they're dressed as like Swimmers, basically,
0: basically like because they have divers. like flippers,
1: right? They have like flippers. He has like the starfish nose. That's kind yeah. of like the oxygen mask,
0: and maybe that was the oxygen wow. mask. Wow, you know. <laughs> so, like, that's pretty wild to me if you really think about it from <laughs> that perspective.
1: But I have a question because because there are some fish in SpongeBob who can't talk, like the seahorse that he has. I don't know if you remember the seahorse. He found like a seahorse and. I forgot the name of the seahorse. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, or, or like those fish that just say meep like all the time. And they meep, just go meep, yeah. meep, meep and whatever.
0: Do you know what my theory is for that? Uh-huh. And I'm going to make this theory like on the spot because I just thought about that. And that's a great example. Um, so what's the name of that um, trench?
1: Oh, uh, it's rock.
0: No, no, no. Yeah. So that's rock bottom. But in real life, it's called the Marina Trench. We spoke about this on the podcast I did with um, Tiffany.
1: Oh, I had no idea that that was an actual place. <laughs> Jesus, Spongebob is... <laughs> I forgot those fish are anchovies. That's the what they are.
0: <laughs> Mariana Trench. Is that what it's called?
1: Is that a real... Wait, so... Is that supposed to be the rock bottom and Bikini Bottom? And No... Mariana
0: Trench. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so apparent so this is my theory, right? The reason why the fishes in Rock Bottom and SpongeBob can't talk like SpongeBob can and everybody else talks because they just like make these like stupid noises like, and, and uh-huh. like you know, tongue noises and sounds. Oh yeah. And they talk just like you said, like they just say like one word or like one sound mm-hmm. is because they're located in the Mariana Trench. And then the the nuclear blast the exposure to that radiation did not reach Mariana Trench because it's considered the lowest point in the ocean. And so those animals down there were unaffected by that radiation. And that's why Bikini Bottom is the only one that's kind of affluent because it's mutated. Like those are all mutant fish. And that's why they all have like personalities and they all develop these like little worlds and narratives because this mutation maybe altered their perception of reality and maybe this is the same mutation that we humans suffered at one point. No, and now, <laughs> uh, now, now we're getting all like, yeah. Anyways, but like but, but but the Mariana Trench thing makes sense to me.
1: But the fish in rock bottom are fucking hideous.
0: Exactly. But like that's like, not because of the they, but that's not because of the radiation. They look more
1: monstrous than than yeah. the regular fish in Bikini Bottom, because Mr. Krabs is a crab. Yeah. You know, this Patrick is a starfish. Squidward yeah. is a squid. So it's like...
0: But that's not because of the radiation. Like, like those fishes exist in real life.
1: And also, can we talk about how the hell did the sponge end up underwater? And this is, you know what? As a kid, that the theme song and stuff, when, when he, you know, absorbs the water and becomes SpongeBob, I don't really remember exactly how the theme song pans out. Mm-hmm. But i always thought that this is all happening in like a fishbowl
0: in a fishbowl
1: in a fishbowl and and when you put spongebob in to clean the bowl he's spongebob
0: oh and then well, it's like that it's supposed to be like too. an
1: animation thing
0: did you watch the spongebob movie ever? yes i did so that's what happens in the spongebob movie uh, a human uses spongebob oh, to yeah. clean something And then it shows up, like, up close and personal, like, Spongebob's reaction to, like, Uh being a scrub. (laughs) But even then, like, he's still alive because he's still, like, radioactive, I think. Like, he's still... I don't know. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, Like, this is... I don't know. This is so complicated. It's You could go about Spongebob so many ways. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was happening in a fishbowl. Like I thought that because I once had a hermit crab fish tank. It was huge. Mm-hmm. And we had like little decorations for the hermit crabs, like little cave rocks and stuff. Like yeah. I always thought that maybe that was just like the, like Squidward's house looks like one of those decorations. It looks like a rock, de- yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. decoration thing. And then Patrick's is literally just a rock the Mm -hmm. pineapple i don't know like i don't know where these things come from but yeah
0: (laughs) no and the only reason why the um fishbowl thing doesn't make sense to me is because like in spongebob it it would occasionally cut to that explosion so that nuclear explosion you know Mm. like whenever something went wrong or if something whatever it cuts to that do you, do you yeah know what yeah
1: the like atomic yeah. uh, mushroom explosion exactly right. so
0: i think that that's just like nudging us and like kind of winking at us and saying like hey like this is what happened in bikini atoll mm. so you know this is legit like this is under like under the what? like under the ocean under a pineapple under the how does the song go we he
1: lives, lives in, in a pineapple, pineapple under, under the, the sea. sea Yeah. <laughs> so i don't know
0: man what do you think, all right, so just so just before we we exit the Spongebob talk, uh, what do you think about the theory that they say that Squidward wears a <laughs> penis on his face and that's why his nose is the way it is? Because normal squids don't really have noses, right? Do squids have noses? I don't know if they do. No, no not right? like that. Not yeah.
1: that. If they do, it's not that shape on their face, I don't think.
0: And Squidward does not wear pants does he wear pants
1: he doesn't wear pants He so just, doesn't wear just pants, that right? brown like crop shirt
0: yeah, yeah he wears yeah. a shirt but he doesn't wear pants he doesn't yeah so people say that squidward's penis is actually the nose on his face
1: okay and that
0: when he transforms into handsome squidward he begins like he wears pants when he's handsome squidward because he doesn't have the penis anymore
1: i don't remember him wearing pants as handsome squidward but but oh, you're so probably not. right I feel like he still didn't wear pants. Maybe he did. He does. Oh, it's kind of like a like a leotard type of thing. Oh, I see.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of like a bodysuit. Yeah, yeah. It's so. like a
1: it's like a manly leotard.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't look too manly to me, but um, <laughs> I
1: mean, he, he has the muscles though.
0: Yeah, he, so so that's so that's the idea behind it is that
1: steroids
0: and also he now has a nose so he's basically human and then he needs pants okay but as a sea creature his penis is on his face do you believe in that like what do you think about that
1: i mean hey i'm not putting anything past the spongebob writers now so maybe it was like an inside joke yeah and and oh my god this is gonna sound so perverted but there's one episode where patrick is like eating a like sausage lynx mm-hmm. and then he's like sucking it all at once and I then he accidentally sucks in squidward's nose
0: oh my god
1: so it's like if that's really what it is then that's super pervy
0: <laughs> patrick sucked squidward off,
1: <laughs> sucked off it.
0: isn't that crazy if Squidward's penis is actually on his face, <laughs> and I know exactly which episode you're you talking know, the, about, it's someone one with a magic contract. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly
1: yeah. that one where they're like camping and stuff. <laughs>
0: uh huh. And then they just... Oh my god, that's a great one. Oh
1: my gosh, that's a great point. That's crazy to me, Jesus.
0: Anyways, um, uh, so segueing now, so so we made a list of a few conspiracy theories that we want to touch on. Um, do you want to, like, touch like try to touch on all of them? Like, what do you want to do this episode?
1: Um, I don't know. Which one's... Like, what do you think is interesting? You could pick one now and talk about one. Maybe we could talk about one or a few more. I don't know. We'll fill it out.
0: Okay, so one that really blew my mind that I was super surprised to, like, mm. learn about is that there's... So, do you know how comic books usually have, like, alternative universes? Right. There's one Batman universe where Alfred, who's... Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. And he becomes a joker out of love for Bruce Wayne. Because in that universe, and this is written by Neil Gaiman, who I'm a big fan of, and we're both Mm -hmm. big fans of. And I had no idea Neil Gaiman wrote Batman comics. But anyways, so... In this universe, Alfred becomes the Joker because Batman apparently killed off the original Joker and then now he's left without a, a legit, like, arch nemesis. Like he, like, he doesn't have an arch nemesis oh, so anymore. so he's
1: kind of empty, unfulfilled and needs
0: and that... And he's, like, depressed and, like, he's just, purpose, like... yeah, yeah, which and, is the
1: recurring theme here. <laughs>
0: yeah, and so, like, that's the whole point behind Batman is that Batman needs the Joker to survive and vice versa. Like, they both depend on each other, but they hate each other, but they don't. They love each other right and then that's what Alfred does like he becomes a Joker out of love for Bruce because he wants Bruce to have purpose in life and then but one thing that happens I think and I didn't read the comic so correct me if I'm wrong but apparently he falls in love with the role and that's what happens with a lot of real actors who take mm. on the Joker like they they lose themselves in that role because it's just like a very like uh, freeing role it's it, it's basically the embodiment of anarchy you know, and it's the questioning of any social authority, of any um, pre-existing notion of how the world should be. The Joker questions everything and goes against everything. So mm-hmm. he just, you know, points out, you know, that everything's just bullshit. Basically, everything that you trust, like all of the security, all of this perceived, this perception of security in society is a myth. And that's why he goes out and he plots all these things because he knows that the only one that who could stop him is Batman.
1: Mm.
0: Anyways, yeah. Just that's
1: crazy that's super crazy and and that's true what you said how they like they become lost in their roles like like you said with the actors and stuff and i think that that goes and applies to a lot of actors and celebrities who get you know sucked into their roles or even their lifestyles and then it just becomes like this consuming thing yeah and then maybe that like that would That would make sense. I didn't know Neil Gaiman wrote... It was actually in a comic or... Yeah, yeah, Oh, I thought it was a book or something. Because he's known for writing a lot of short stories and whatnot. But I didn't know he wrote comics.
0: Yeah, no. He apparently created this whole alternate universe. With that huge, like, twist on it. Do you think actors have a problem with um, compartmentalizing their own personality when they take on other roles?
1: Some... It, I think that that depends on your personality. Um, because, for example, um, Ragnar, who is played by... What's his name? I forgot his name. I forgot, too. Oh, my God. I'm not good with names. But it's um,
0: Travis Filmo. Travis
1: Filmo. Okay. Yeah. He said that after his role was over, because people expected him to be, like, the embodiment of his role or, or to get so consumed in his role that that's what he ended up being after the show. And he said that he, like didn't feel how do i explain it like he didn't miss his character i guess and that he doesn't at all resemble that Mm -hmm. not that he doesn't resemble it at all but that it just he's not his character character, right and there are people who do become their character in real life and those types of people have a certain personality trait or multiple personality traits that cause them to become kind of like obsessive Mm-hmm. or or addicted so if you're someone who has an addictive personality trait or obsessive then you're more likely to succumb into that does that make sense like it
0: does yeah who who do you think is an actor or actress that like does that in your opinion
1: off the top of my head yeah maybe oh this is so hard because i feel like there's there's probably a few but I, I can't think of any off the top of my head.
0: I think Ryan Reynolds is one because he's, but well, I don't think he, like, I don't think he became lost in the role of Deadpool. I just think he is innately Deadpool. Like his personality trait is what gives Deadpool life. And that's why it's like, it's just one of those scenarios or cases where the perfect casting Finds the perfect character, like it's just perfect. Finds the
1: perfect role. Yeah, that's kind of like Tony Stark and Iron Man. Sure. But, yeah. but Robert Downey Jr. did actually have, you know, drug problems and stuff. Yeah, I think he had like alcohol addiction.
0: Oh yeah, he had like heavy drug problems. Yeah. Or... So,
1: so I don't know. Maybe maybe the two tie in together i feel like with ryan reynolds like he just has a humorous personality and that's why the role of deadpool is this like humorous you know kind of sarcastic witty character Mm -hmm. but then again like i don't think he is deadpool you know what i'm saying i don't think so only because deadpool is like he seems more kind of egotistical Mm -hmm. and more uh like sarcastic and dark yeah and i don't see that in ryan reynolds for example when i watch interviews at least like maybe he is that way but he seems more of a genuine kind of kind of one of those rare pure souls that you you know come across Mm -hmm. judging off I guess the relationship I see that he has with his wife. Because they just seem like more wholesome. Yeah, yeah. Versus the Deadpool. Like Deadpool is just like very... It's very dark and provocative. You know? Mm. And I don't think he's that all the time. Does that make sense?
0: I just say that he is. Because of like what I see him producing outside of Deadpool. Like he <laughs> makes... Um, so he owns a... Uh, cell phone service? Cell, yeah. A, a cell phone <laughs> service company. Which is super weird for you to think (laughs) about like a hollywood yeah it's super random it's like a hollywood actor most hollywood actors invest in either um liquor or they invest in startup companies or they get into like finance and like Mm -hmm. like real estate and i bet you he has all of that and he does have aviator um liquors which is uh his own liquor company i think it's Mm -hmm. a i think it's a whiskey a gin or something like that okay i think it's aviator gin if i'm not mistaken but my point is he bought a cell phone company and he, the commercials that he makes for the cell phone company called Mint Mobile is just hilarious. It's like something that Deadpool would conjure in his head and then execute in the real world and say like, oh, like if if Deadpool owned a cell phone company, this
1: is exactly, well, what, it would be. This is
0: exactly <laughs> what it would be. And that's what Ryan Reynolds did in real life. So it's kind of like he's always breaking the fourth wall. And that's why I'll resort back to just thinking like that's my opinion. Like I think that like, he is Deadpool to a great extent because he breaks the fourth wall even when he's in like real life
1: well, that makes sense no you know? in, in that aspect it does make sense but he's obviously not this like uh yeah
0: because
1: because like, deadpool is completely against you know societal way of doing things yeah, yeah yeah if that makes sense and i i don't think he's that and like in that aspect i don't know if he would be that but but i think yeah that's that's true for sure like that makes a hundred percent sense, right there. Mm-hmm. I forgot what I was gonna say before, but <laughs> I'm always losing my train of thought.
0: You'll get back to it, maybe. Um. Okay. Uh. I was gonna. All right. So do you do you want to talk a little bit about the the movie that we watched recently?
1: <gasps> yes, we saw Thomas Shelby at the movie theaters. It was the craziest experience. I wanted to meet him, but he was on the screen. Yeah, and then.
0: <laughs> he was kind of busy acting in the movie
1: it's so weird okay first of all before we get into a quiet place Two, which was great it's so weird seeing because because just like we were talking about the embodiment of characters like i imagine what's his name again
0: uh killian murphy
1: murphy right i imagine him being thomas shelby
0: yeah me too in real
1: life too like not just in Peaky blinders but i imagine him being thomas shelby And so when I saw him on the screen, I was so confused because I hadn't really watched the trailer and saw who the casting was or anything. Because first of all, trailers are spoilers. Mm -hmm. And um, even if they're, you know, supposed to be broad and out of context and whatnot. But when I saw him, it it just felt so out of place. Mm -hmm. I was like, why is he playing this like white American, you know, hillbilly. hillbilly, Yeah, like this, this like, (laughs) it felt so off. But anyways... First
0: of all, his American accent is on point.
1: Yeah, no. I, I can never tell that he was, you know, Thomas Shelley.
0: And I can never understand how or why it's easier for the British to imitate American accents than it is the other way around. Mm. Like, we can speak proper but to them it comes off like forest it's like it's like ah you're putting too much in the proper too
1: much emphasis too much emphasis
0: you just have to whatever (laughs) but when they do it
1: australian mike
0: (laughs) australian but then when they do it like speaking of australian like chris hemsworth does it when um tom holland does it when like all of these actors who are really like not american at all and they just play these roles and they convince tom holland
1: is not american
0: i think he has an accent no does does Tom Holland? Tom have an Holland
1: is not American. Wait, pause. Hold the phone. I'm not see. Like I don't know anything about anything. I live under a rock. Call me Patrick. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had no idea. He, I feel like I've heard him in interviews, and he sounds he sounds American, or maybe he's putting an accent.
0: He's <gasps> British. He's English. from the UK. Yeah. Because I remember him in interviews and he would describe his roles like all like, oh, and then Spider-Man is a great experience. It's great for me to whatever, expand.
1: Well, because I feel like in an interview I saw, he was making fun of Falcon because he was like, Falcon said he hadn't watched the Spider-Man movie. And then Mm -hmm. Tom Holland was like, I never watched the Falcon. Oh, oh, never mind. And then made like a joke because Falcon doesn't have a movie. And then I could have sworn he was... Unless he was using an American accent, but...
0: Maybe maybe that's a marketing strategy.
1: Mm. It's
0: like be as close as you can to your role during these interviews. interviews so that people don't disconnect you as much from the actual source that we want them to go to, you know?
1: And that's why they make you like reenact the relationships that you have in yeah. movies, kind of like in person, to give it more publicity, give yeah. it more, you know...
0: That's why they get him to like do interviews sitting next to robert downey jr Uh because they want to you know sell you on the whole like like, mr stark i don't feel so good or whatever yeah
1: like oh look at this kid who doesn't have a dad peter parker or his uncle died also and then you know tony stark is the male figure coming into
0: into his life
1: right to help him out to guide him
0: so, anyway, speaking of the quiet place, <laughs> um, so, so to see Killian Murphy on screen was also a surprise for me because we're both huge Peaky Blinder fans yes. and we did not watch any trailers. Because, just like you said, I don't like watching movie trailers that I know that I'm gonna watch, I like watching movie trailers of movies that I know, like, oh, like that looks pretty, whatever, decent. I'm probably not gonna spend money to go watch it in the theaters, I'm not gonna, you know, um, subscribe to any whatever, just like, um godzilla versus kong thing you know like i i watched the the trailers and it's very like it's super revealing like it just mm-hmm. like gives you the whole plot it gives you the plot twist it gives you everything you need to know about the movie so right. you don't even need to watch the movie anymore but but my point is
1: the the five minutes of action that actually happens in the movie because the whole yeah. movie is like just talking
0: just talking, talking talking oh
1: my gosh i can't with these movies man
0: but anyways beside the point killian murphy killed his role and i think that john krasinski oh and a fun fact behind that killian was asked um how he got the role and he said that i that that john krasinski actually called them because him and his wife emily blunt is it emily blunt
1: i think so yeah yeah
0: emily blunt that sounds right
1: it might be right
0: emily i'm sure it's emily but John and his wife, family were watching Peaky Blinders, and they are a huge fan also of the show. And then oh. he just reached out to him and said, hey, like, I have this role. And John created the role with Killian in mind, which is wow. wild. Because you would assume that, like, that's not how it happens sometimes. You
1: know? And that makes sense because in the—OK, okay, so I'm not going to spoil the Quiet Place movie. But in the movie, his character is more— um unemotional mm-hmm. if that makes sense like he's more emotionally desensitized yeah yeah and in Peaky Blinders it's kind of like that too he's She's very like and, and it's not even I mean yeah it's that but he's so in control of his emotions mm. and then he doesn't ever show you the reaction you know he in doesn't react face to face he'll do it like when whenever he's in private because because he's you know shown his rage and stuff
0: yeah, yeah yeah,
1: like whenever he's alone or he'll like show his frustration but yeah that's interesting because because uh, then it's the perfect role for sure
0: i also think that he, like he got the role too because of just how expressive his eyes are mm. because even in in Peaky blinders like his eyes speak a lot and I think that part of the magic behind Thomas, like Thomas Shelby, is that he doesn't speak with his mouth, but he speaks with his face. kind mm-hmm. of. You know, his like
1: expressions. His
0: expressions, his eyes, especially like he could like just look you down and just like penetrate your soul without even like, you know, like you realizing it. And he instills this certain like presence on screen, mm-hmm. especially. You know? Yeah.
1: I saw a video that analyzed his body language and mm-hmm. that's exactly what they said. He controls and dominates the room just by his body language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the actor, you know, Cillian Murphy. Killian Murphy. Killian, I can't pronounce his name. Yeah. Killian Murphy. Killing killing him out here. Kill and him. Peaky Blinders. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> laugh laugh track. <laughs> Forgot oh. about this. Is it this one? Oh thank you. Thank you. I know I have jokes. Anyways. <laughs> I can't reach those buttons. But anyways, um I was gonna say he he dominates the room just like you were saying, um, like he has like this uh, authoritative um, presence. presence and whatnot. Yeah, and and in in a quiet place you kind of feel that too, because mm-hmm. and then he becomes the predominant male figure in a quiet yeah. place, because yeah. then you know John Krasinski, rest in peace, because uh, yeah. I'm not even gonna talk about the girl because that girl pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyways, <laughs> so what do you want to say about the movie? Go ahead. Speaking about the
0: girl, um, one thing that I did find interesting, and this isn't really a spoiler alert. Like, this is just something that is even shown in the um, trailers. Is that John put in an extra effort to kind of portray the real world through the lens of a person who is deaf. Mm. And John chokes up every single time he's, like, being interviewed. He chokes up and talks about how, like, emotional he gets just thinking. Because, like, technically, The the Quiet Place 1 and 2 is that girl's movie. Right. Like, it's meant to be just, like, her movie. And so, like, how do I explain this? Um, there are moments on screen where you can tell there's a shift and a transition from how we perceive the world to how she perceives the world. Yes, and I then mean, things exactly. get like uh, things get like
1: muffled and quiet,
0: muffled and quiet, and yeah, it's just interesting.
1: I was gonna say those. I really like those transitions when it's just showing. You know, all this noise happening around her or, or even when one of those, um I don't know what we're even going to call them, one of those monsters or creatures or yeah, critters creatures. or whatever. Creatures. Yeah. One of those creatures, whenever they're approaching her, she can't even sense that they're there.
0: Until she sees them.
1: Right. Which is super interesting because i feel like people who are blind kind of develop that that like uh sixth sense mm-hmm. where they can detect something around them because they can't see so they kind of train themselves to see without sight and then with her it's like she can't really detect something that's happening behind her because she can't hear anything mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so then there's that like missing um that missing detector of danger if that makes sense because yeah, because we use our ears to like hear when a car is coming and went across the road for example we also use our eyes the most obviously but mm. if you're not looking you use your ears and then that kind of serves as a detection of danger or or just a detection of something or someone approaching you yeah and then that's why in Call of Duty, when you hear footsteps, like, you You're know, like you around. can't really see because everyone's camouflaged and stuff. <laughs> yeah. but, but then you hear the footsteps, you know, with the sound effects and whatnot. And you can kind of detect where it's coming from.
0: There's another theory that says that um, similar to a quiet place in space, it's extremely quiet mm. because all the other more advanced um, planets or more advanced people are already aware that there's this like larger evil force that preys on life in space and they kind of detect you through sound and that's why we aren't contacted by anyone that we know of or we're not contacted as like enough to justify the vast I guess size of the universe and like the multiple universes and galaxies and stuff it's because everybody's just like hey like we need to just be like below the radar because there's something bigger out there and it's mm. evil and it'll consume every life you know what i mean
1: so we're in a quiet place
0: we are but we but, aren't because we're not right aware of, of it.
1: course yeah. yeah
0: so we're just like those those loud obnoxious people who you know just don't understand it
1: mm, that's interesting Yeah.
0: is there anything else that you want to talk about before we finish up
1: Oh, well, what'd you think of the movie, though?
0: Um, (laughs) Because we're going off track? (laughs) Sorry. I don't want to, like, spoil anything, but I would say that the second one was... It's kind of hard because you like sequels are complicated, and John Krasinski even said it himself in an interview. He said that he was approached by I think Warner Brothers or something like that, the people who produced this movie, mm-hmm. um, for a sequel after the first one was widely, you know, um, popular. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of hesitant because everybody knows that there's a stigma behind sequels, and oh, they're you know.
1: never as good as the first.
0: Yeah, so the first one was brilliant in my opinion because it was new. It like it had a lot, like a lot of nuance to it. It was something that nobody really saw before, mm-hmm. and it was never executed to the extent that it was. And so the second one, it's like, how do you make it better without necessarily making it? you know cliche or cringy or corny right with you know like more explosions just like fast and furious like they're coming out with the ninth one or something like that oh my
1: god that's and that just like
0: pisses me off yeah. oh. Be- because like how like how many fast and, and it's even gotten to a point where they're just self-aware of just how ridiculous they are uh, that they 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 like like put it in their latest trailers like showing that they're going into space now so it's like where can we take this genre that we haven't taken before it's like oh let's just go to space now you know like it's it's basically a money machine and i get it from like a business standpoint it makes a lot of money and that's whatever but beside the point john is very hesitant you know to how movies are perceived and so like the second one to me was great but at the same time, I think I really just have like a, a soft spot for the first one Be- mm, because, of, because the, of the nuance, you know, right. because of the experience of like witnessing it for the first time and being blown away and being like, holy shit, this is crazy. And then the second one was great, but I would give the second one maybe like an eight out of ten and then the first one a ten out of ten okay I, I think
1: you know i think i find it interesting because i think that that happens with movies and tv shows mm-hmm. where they run out of material but they're still pumping it out And yeah, <laughs> they yeah, keep yeah. just going at it and then that goes back to toy story like we're already on toy story four and who knows when we're gonna get five and six like and it is crazy yeah. um because how many you know adventures can you put these toys through and whatnot without people kind of yawning mm-hmm. um but anyways to my point i really like the second one only because i think they added a little more of how do I explain it? Like well, backstory? first of all, yeah, backstory that was huge. Like showing how it started, mm-hmm. and so like randomly how 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 it was normal and that transition, how it just happened so quickly. Yeah, um, I think that was definitely a great touch, um, but especially because throughout the movie there was so much more. Um, of each character going through the experience of having to be quiet by themselves.
0: Oh, uh, so there's more character development.
1: Right. So it's kind of like you see the the young son by himself and how he has to be quiet and kind of manage that. And then, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything, but he gets himself into a predicament. And then the young girl who, you know, finds herself alone and then gets herself into a predicament where she makes noise. And then you just... You're always on edge. Like there's just like this yeah. constant tension where in the first movie, I felt like it went so quickly. Yeah. When we watched it before watching the second one for like for me, it was the second time watching it or the third. Mm-hmm. Um. But when I rewatched it before watching the second one, I didn't realize how f- fast it went how
0: fast paced yeah like it
1: it feel like it it felt like it happened in 45 minutes and not even more than an hour and then the second one kind of the same thing because because it's just interesting and compelling and so it feels like time is moving quicker i agree but in the second one i think that where it lacked maybe was that emotional um connection yeah, maybe like that. That kind of with the death of John Krasinski in the first movie, um, like that made the whole movie, yeah,
0: yeah, you yeah.
1: know, that kind of without that, that would have, you know, it would have fell flat. Mm-hmm. And then in the second movie, I feel like it was just missing it just a little bit more, like more depth in terms of this emotion and this,
0: yeah, I don't know, you know, what I think, and we're, we're trying our best to not spoil anything, but I think that what it lacked for me is exactly what you said, the whole emotional aspect of it. Like, I, like I wasn't really emotionally invested mm-hmm. in anyone in that second one. And then in the first one, I was invested in John because right. John's character is like the patriarch of this family and he sacrificed himself and stuff and he did what he did for his family. So, like, you feel a loss because you've been conditioned and programmed throughout the whole movie to feel something for that character and then uh, like for the second one for example um Killian's character I think that they could have kind of gave us more backstory and they'll probably do that in part three um but they could have given him more backstory with each character in the family mm-hmm. so like his relationship bef- like pre apocalypse yes. with the with um Emily mm-hmm. with the um boy and then with the girl it's like what was their relationship prior right, to right. that and because then,
1: they were obviously familiar with each other yeah. and that's all we'll say but
0: and then i just felt kind of out of the conversation when they kind of met each other for the first time because there's that underlying elephant in the room that we as the audience are not aware of why right. it's there it's like he's hesitant to help them and then in my head, I was kind of thinking about the whole Rolo and Lagatha thing where Rolo loves Lagatha, but mm-hmm. then, you know, Ragnar is Lagatha's, you know, husband husband. Yeah. And that maybe they had a thing in the past and then that's why he loves Bjorn and that he has that like special place in his heart for him. And then I thought that that was Killian's relationship with Emily. And that's why he was, like, hesitant and stuff. Mm. And that and that maybe he was, like, envious of John's position. Okay. And, and envious of John's life because he also lost his son now, you know, like spoiler alert i don't care at this point you know like if you didn't watch it go watch it <laughs> but anyways like that's I mean, not that's, like a big plot. yeah that's
1: not a big plot because because it doesn't the apocalypse even
0: apocalypse happens and like people yeah, die so it's, it doesn't like, it's even sense.
1: show his son
0: yeah dying, his son so isn't a, a, a main character, character at yeah, all yeah. he's not
1: a character at all yeah, <laughs> like, he i don't exactly. even remember when he shows up except like in a photograph or whatever but yeah um, i don't think
0: he does well like that's my point you know
1: yeah but but uh, I I agree. I think, and I think they could have developed a more, like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. I just wish, like you said, I wish there was more backstory because that fourth wall just wasn't broken. Like mm-hmm. you felt that there was tension, but you're kind of just lost. That confused. why, it's like right? Why? Yeah. You're just kind of confused, and you're like, wait, so you guys you know each other really well? Like we saw a glimpse of that in the beginning, but it's like, so why are you guys awkward? Right. You, so each other? so where like where is this um right where's this tension coming from why yeah. is there you know bad blood for example or why is there whatever not yeah. not why is it not harmonious that you're
0: that uh, re- you've guys like re-encountered right each other. yeah
1: so uh,
0: so how much would you rate it like what's your rating for for both of them like quiet place one I- and two
1: at first i like right after the movie i was like oh that was so good like i think it was better than the first one (laughs) Mm -hmm. but now rethinking about it like you said now comparing the two in my head side by side i'd probably rate it the same eight out of ten and ten out of of ten yeah 100
0: percent. so with that do you want to close out yes go
1: watch a quiet place too and then let us know what you think
0: yeah
1: we could be john and, krasinski
0: and then just um <laughs> let us know what you guys think and if you guys agree with us if you disagree if you have your own opinions mm-hmm. just you know leave us some feedback
1: one more thing though yeah because uh, i always have one more thing to say um <laughs> we we started watching wandavision and we saw the asian gym and his oh, name yeah. is Jim in WandaVision that's breaking the fourth that's wall right there the and there you go don't watch WandaVision cuz it's not that good and we'll see you next
0: time and we'll talk more about WandaVision <laughs> in the next episode cuz we also have another theory about something related to WandaVision <gasps> wait wait
1: wait wait where's the <laughs>
0: Anyways. Yeah. so you guys stay tuned and um
1: take care
0: and thanks for watching listening and peace out <laughs>
1: mm <laughs>